Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the IKP. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt. Welcome back. Welcome back. Live from D.C., a lot of big events, a lot of some, you know, some big events going on. <laughs> um, some big events going on. But other than that, uh, I hope everybody there doing fine, doing well. Um, big time weekend in, in the NFL, NFL playoffs. We're gonna, you know, Deshaun Watson, of course. He wants out. I don't know. Hey, if you guys are listening from Houston, what is in the water? What I mean, come, what what's happening in Houston? But other than that, let's uh, you know. I went four zero in the divisional playoff round, so I did really good. Um, so my playoff record so far this year, I think it's nine and one because I went five and one in Wild Card Weekend, four zero this weekend. So we're doing pretty good with these picks now. We could start, let's just, you know, we could start in Kansas City. We can start in Buffalo. We can start, we can start in Green Bay. But how how about we start with New Orleans? The New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees and Sean Payton, Tom Brady. This was part three. This was the trilogy, right? (laughs) This was the trilogy. Tom Brady, Drew Brees. And by the way, I, I never bought into the fact, I just couldn't fathom um, Drew Brees and the Saints. Oh, somebody's calling me. <laughs> uh, we're gonna. Somebody doesn't know I'm podcasting. But back to the, back to the, back to, back to, back to business. Um. So, like I was saying, I just couldn't fathom the Saints and Drew Brees beating Tom Brady three times in one year. Just couldn't see it happening. Just could not see it happening. And also, I told you guys, I did not trust New Orleans in the playoffs. I don't. And this is why. This is now four straight playoff meltdowns from the Saints. Four straight playoff meltdowns from the Saints. Four straight. And everybody's going to annoy Tom Brady. And I get it. You know, Brady, this was this was a, this was was a one of his classic, I guess, quote-unquote classic playoff games or playoff performances, if you want to call it that. Um, Brady, he, he, he was fairly pedestrian. Um, and I'm going to talk more about Brady. But Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Oh, my God. And this is and this is another reason why I didn't want to buy into the Saints. Uh, now, obviously, the Saints they had they had a, th- this team could have gotten to the Super Bowl. This team, this Saints team, is good enough to get to a Super Bowl. But you, please, it's t- it's time to call it quits. It's time. It, it it's time. Let's come. Come. Let's go. Let's go. Let, let's go. NBC is waiting. NBC is calling. That damn noodle arm of Drew Brees. And Drew, and I must say, Drew Brees, all-time great quarterback. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But, but damn, that noodle arm of his. That noodle arm of Drew Brees. Uh, oh, my gosh. He, he, I, 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 could, I could tell. Every, like, from week one, and he had the obviously he's coming off of the injuries with the rib cartilage. But from week one all the way up to now, I have been so I, I I've been paying so close attention to this Jew Breeze and his limitations. And I just never thought with those limitations at the quarterback position, I never thought they'd be able to get to the Super Bowl. Now, they have a Super Bowl roster, like I said, but I did not pick them to get to the Super Bowl. And it was because of that. It was because of that. Drew Brees. I, I mean, it's time. It's time. I think we all have seen enough. We all have seen enough. Almost almost caught a fit. Almost caught a fit watching Drew Brees. Tim trying to muster up his throws, and he's mustering up every single thing so he can make a throw. Gosh. I don't want to see Drew Brees on the NFL field. I don't want to see him on the NFL field again unless it's with NBC. I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I'm don't. I don't. And he should just go ahead and retire right now. He should go ahead and retire right now. He shouldn't try to come back one more year. No, he and he and he probably will. He probably a, he probably a retire. He probably retire. But God, but oh my gosh, that that noodle arm, 
that noodle arm of his. But he had limitations. We all, we all, we're, we're all aware of his limitations because we saw it. They were on full display. And like, and like I said, Tom Brady did not win this game. Drew Brees lost this game. Drew Brees lost this game with three interceptions, and then um, Jared Cook had the one fumble, and that was ultimately that was ultimately where the game was decided because those four turnovers put the Buccaneers' offense in great field position, and Tom Brady he cashed in. Tom Brady cashed in on those opportunities. He cashed in fully on those opportunities. So I know people gonna they're gonna anoint Tom Brady. Oh my God, he played so. Oh, he played okay. Eighteen for thirty-three, one hundred and ninety-nine yards, three touchdowns. Now, given the circumstance, given the situation, um, you know, you look at his top. You look at Tom Brady's top targets. Antonio Brown was hurt. Mike Evans was hurt. He was playing hurt. And ineffective at the same time. We're all aware of the Marshawn Lattimore and 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 that whole matchup. You know, Marshawn Lattimore. He he's. It seems like he gets the best of Mike Evans. So Mike Evans had one catch for one touchdown, and that was about it. That was that was about it. And then Chris Godwin. He continues to have a case of the butterfingers, but he was also playing through a quad injury. But he was also ineffective once again this week. Dropped a couple passes. So, so Tom Brady. So I do give. I, I'm gonna give some props to that. I mean, because you know, didn't have the receiving core. His top three targets were just completely ineffective or hurt, or or and hurt. So yeah, I I I tip my cap to that. But Drew Brees certainly lost this game. And if you look on, you know, Brady and yes. Brady was not great, and but you if you compare it to Drew Brees and his performance, Brady played well. Um, because Drew Brees played that bad. If you compare it to Drew Brees, Brady played good. He played great because you. I mean, you look at Drew Brees. Yeah, he great offensive minded coach. Great offensive minded coach in Sean Payton. Weapons on the outside, everywhere in this offense. The, he has a strong offensive line, Armstead, Ramchek. He has a strong offensive line. But then you look at him, can't stretch the field, <clears throat> has limitations, can't make sideline throws, and ultimately he's turning the football over. That is what lost the Saints this game. And that's how the Buccaneers won. Miscues, and they just they, – they, they turned over – they were able to turn over the football on the Saints, and, and Tom Brady cashed in. For me personally, I'm hearing people saying this was Tom Brady's greatest playoff performance. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> I, I, I don't even think – I'm not even sure if this is in his top five. But, okay, you know, if people want to say that, okay. But Drew Brees lost this game. He certainly lost this game. And like I said, I don't think this gets documented enough or get talked about enough um, the Saints for you know the Saints have four straight playoff meltdowns, four straight playoff meltdowns, and three of those games being at home, three of those games being at home. But once again, Drew Brees and Sean Payton and New Orleans Saints falling short of expectations. Twenty seventeen, they lost in the divisional round to the Vikings. You guys remember that miracle in Minneapolis? Case Keenum to Stephon Diggs, that big time play. That happened to the Saints. 2018, lost in the NFC Championship game versus the LA Rams. Remember that? Yeah, that happened to that 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 happened to the Saints. Oh yeah, that was the pass interference call that everybody likes to talk about. But no, everybody like see that's that's funny. Everybody likes to talk about that pass interference call. But why was the Saints throwing the football in that situation? Also, the game did go to overtime. And that game did, you know, the, the Saints won the toss. The Saints got the ball in overtime, and Drew Brees turns over the football in overtime, which ultimately led to the Rams winning that game in overtime. But nobody talks about that. No, everybody talks about the pass interference call. Um, so, but that 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 was also another playoff blunder that they had. And then in 2019, last year, uh, the New Orleans Saints, they lost to the Vikings in the wild card round. Remember that? You know, Kirk Cousins and those guys. Yeah, they beat the Saints at home. And then, once again, 
this past weekend, Tom Brady and the Bucks served up the Saints a good L. Another playoff meltdown. Another playoff meltdown from the Saints. So I don't think that nearly gets talked about enough of how, you know, these Saints team over these Saints, these new these New Orleans Saints teams over the last four years have been legit Super Bowl contenders. Obviously, they have been trying to win the Super Bowl and they have fell short and they do it in the strangest of ways. They do it in the strangest of ways and they have complete meltdowns. But I don't think that gets talked about nearly enough. Nearly enough. But once again, Brady's performance was fairly pedestrian to me. I've seen better from Tom Brady. And, you know, some people can take that, you know, oh, my God, you're judging him unfairly. Yeah, you can take it that way, but I've seen better from – I've seen better from, from, um, from Tom Brady. But, once again, I look at his last four drives. His last four drives, that's where it counted. He cashed in when it mattered most. I'm going to give you guys his last four drives. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown, and game ceiling. Game ceiling drive. That was the, you know, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, and then, like, you know, melting the clock and all that good stuff. Those were the Buccaneers and Tom Brady's last four drives. And he acts, he, he engineered those drives. He engineered those drives. So that was a really good performance um, from the Saints, from the, from, from the Buccaneers' defense. Uh, you know, Brady, he cashed in when it mattered most, but – Drew Brees lost this game, certainly. Drew Brees lost this game, and it's not even close. Now, you know, the culture change, you know, Brady and the culture change and, you know, giving these guys hope, sure, Tom Brady has been a significant part of that. But with this game specifically, with this game right here specifically with the Saints and Buccaneers, Drew Brees lost this game. Drew Brees look and he look awful. Like I said, all respect to Drew Brees, um, all time great quarterback. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he needs to be working for NBC immediately. He needs to sign on the. He needs to just sign on the dotted line already and just work for NBC already. He just need because that that right there was just awful. Um, so let's shift gears to the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody was so worried about the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody, oh my gosh. Everybody, oh my gosh, what's happening in Kansas City? What's happening? What's going on with Patrick Mahomes? What's going on? What's happening? Oh my God. Simply nothing. Nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong with Kansas City. Let me tell you this. I told you guys, Kansas City, they have a Golden State Warriors element to them. The game offensively comes so easily and so just so easy and so natural where it becomes too easy. And you have me and, and when they play like these last three, like the last three regular season games, basically of the year, they were they were meaningless. So Kansas City, you know, they played around with their food a little bit and they would just win a, a really narrow, close game. But I told you guys, in the playoffs, when it's when when the games mean something, when they're playing, you know, legitimate teams, I told I told every I told you guys, I said they're gonna they're gonna hit the switch, and boy, did they ever hit the switch? Did I mean did did, did they ever hit the switch? Now this this Cleveland, you know, Cleveland and you know the Kansas City Chiefs, it was a really good game, really exciting. You know, filled with a lot of up and down emotions from both sides. Then let me let me just take a quick moment to talk to the Browns fan. Browns faithful, and I must say, Browns faithful. Um, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry, what they have done with this roster, they have completely retooled and regalloped this roster. Um, Kevin Stefanski has regalvanized in and, and just totally change this Browns culture and I must say the Browns future is it's it's looking bright now they got to figure out are you know are they fully sold on Baker Mayfield even though I thought he played I thought he played pretty well um given the given the circumstances in the second half 
he only had one first down in the last eight minutes, so that wasn't the that wasn't the greatest um, showing. But I think in, in the second in the last like eight minutes, last four, like in the fourth quarter, didn't play the best. But given the circumstances, I think he I think he played pretty well. But in Cleveland, should they have a lot? They have a lot to look forward to. Young team, but Kansas City's better. Kansas City's better, and. So many people were worried about Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. How is Patrick Mahomes going to look after three weeks of rest? How was Kansas City going to look? Um, let me tell you. Let me let me. I'm gonna give you guys the drives that Patrick Mahomes engineered. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, missed field goal, and then um, you know, he got hurt on his on his last drive. But it looked like they were well on their way to scoring a field goal or a touchdown at least. So when people, you know, people are, oh my God, Patrick Mahomes, what is going on? What's happening to Patrick Mahomes? He hasn't been, he he didn't have a great December and he struggled in December. Um, okay, I just give it to you. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, miss field goal. <laughs> we uh, it, and this is the thing. And and by the way, the Cleveland Browns, they had bad luck with that that touchback. Oh boy, that's that, that that touchback rule is the worst rule. I'm gonna get to that, but it's probably the worst. It's it's the worst rule in football, and it's probably one of the worst rules in sports. It is a bad rule. That fumble, the, the fumble touchdown, where you you you're about to score the touchdown, but then you fumble and they they call it a touchback. That is, and they give the they give the ball back. They give the ball to the uh, to the opposing team. Which is so stupid, but I'm a, I'm gonna touch bases on that. But so many people were worried about Kansas City, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter what they want. Like they wanted to get the ball to they they wanted to get the ball to Travis Kelsey. They got the ball to Travis Kelsey. If Patrick Mahomes wanted to get the ball to Tyreek Hill, he gave the ball to Tyreek Hill. Uh, <laughs> and for and for some odd reason, for some odd reason, so I don't know if you guys noticed, but. Nobody can stop this play. And the play that I'm referring to, refer, you know, referring to is uh is Tyree when Tyreek Hill is in the slot or he's in like a tight formation, nobody can seem to stop that that pattern where he's in the slot formation or he's in he's in a tight formation and he just runs around across the field and <laughs> nobody can stop it. Everybody knows it's coming. Cause I mean that's can that's Kansas City like shot play. Everybody and their grandmother know it's coming, but nobody can't stop it. <laughs> nope, nobody can't stop it. Um, can't you know? Tyree Tyree Kill had eight catches for a hundred yard over a hundred yards. Travis Kelsey he had his regular day, eight catches over a hundred yards and a touchdown. They just couldn't be stopped, and they they, they just couldn't be stopped. The the and the like I said the Browns Browns fans the Browns themselves as an organization they have a lot to hang their hat on they should not be they shouldn't have their heads down but let's be honest <laughs> let's be honest they are a misfit they are they are so this get this Patrick Mahomes the drive he got hurt they were up the the Chiefs were up nineteen to ten now just imagine. Just imagine if Harrison Buckner didn't miss the field goal and the extra point. We're talking about what? We're talking about 23 to 10. So on the drive that Patrick Mahomes got hurt, they're driving 23 to 10. That would have been the that that would have been the lead. That would have been the game. That would have been the score if Harrison Buckner would have made his kicks. 23 to 10. And imagine if Patrick Mahomes didn't get hurt. Imagine if Patrick Mahomes didn't get hurt. We're, we're, this is probably a blowout. <laughs> this is this is this is probably a blow, and this game isn't even close. We're t- we're probably talking twenty six to 10, 30 to ten, if Patrick Mahomes does not get hurt on that drive. So the Browns were a couple kicks in in a in a Patrick Mahomes injury away from getting blown out, 
And like I said, I like Cleveland. I thought Cleveland had a really good story this year. Um, I, 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 you know, I figured they would make the playoffs looking at the roster, given the fact how the way I thought Kevin Stefanski would play. Um, and everything I've said about Cleveland this year, it's been, it's been on point. It's been spot on and true, but this is a juggernaut. The Kansas City Chiefs are a juggernaut. And if they have Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to probably pick them to win the AFC championship game. Now, hopefully we can get Patrick Mahomes. You know, hopefully he can pass the, you know, the concussion protocol. But hell, hell, I mean, this has been a season of confusion. This has been a season of, you know, of of postponing games and delaying games. And, you know, this is what this is the this is the AFC. This is championship weekend. And we have. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady and Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, potentially. And if Patrick Mahomes can't pass, if he can't get out of the protocol in time, I would push back the game till Monday and Pat- so Patrick Mahomes can play. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wouldn't mind the NFL pushing back the game so Patrick Mahomes can play. I would not mind it. For the for the for for the ratings sake, of, you know the ratings sake of you know I you know the NFL they they're gonna care about the ratings, um, for the ratings sake for fans sake and we want to see a good game we want to see the best, we want to see the best. So in a year like this where there's been a lot of cancellations and a lot of like understanding and you know mishaps and you know changes and <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. But, but Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, they're they're <laughs> this is Golden State Warriors type of stuff. This is Golden State Warriors type of stuff. Remember what I told you guys: Golden State and Kansas City, they are they, they, they offensively the game comes so easily, and I'm talking about those KD Warriors. The game came so easily offensively, where Kansas City. Or, or or Golden State would find themselves losing a regular season game, a meaningless regular season game, and then in the postseason they just turn it on, they they just turn it on, and they just steam they steamroll everybody, and that is what I that is what I said about Kansas City. I said Kansas City. I am not worried about Kansas City. Yes, they have not been playing their best football. Yes, they've been yes. They've been a little bit sluggish. Yes, they've been cl- they've been playing some close games, and I, I'm not a big fan of when people say, "Oh my gosh, this game was close." Because majority of NFL games are usually close, so I I, I don't like that argument when people bring up, "Oh my God, they want a close game." That, uh, so what? That's what the NFL is about. In a, m- majority of NFL games are close. They're close games. So. I was never worried about Kansas City. I knew they had come out and they they flipped the switch, and they and they did that. They did that, and even without Patrick Mahomes for most of the second half, uh, or well in the fourth quarter mainly, um, you know, they Chad Henney, anything is possible. <laughs> you know, Chad Henney came in and saved the day with a good story for Chad Henney. And you know, thirteen years, not this is your first ever playoff appearance. So that you know, that's that's good. That can be a story he tell his grandchildren. Um, and Andy Reid, the masterful play calling. I'm gonna get to this play calling. I saw some wonderful play calling this weekend, and it was just masterful. But um, and now Cleveland with this touchback rule. I kind of did, uh, you know, in the moment, I felt bad for Cleveland. And I was like, I think I tweeted, I was like, that is such a Browns play. But it is a bad rule to have. It is, it, it, it it's a bad rule to have. This this rule of um with the, with with this touchback, it is it's 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 ultimately the worst rule in sports. It's probably the worst rule in sports. It's definitely the worst rule in the NFL in football. But it's the worst rule in sports. This now, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a proposal. So the rule that I'm referring to, if you guys don't know, the rule that I'm talking about is when uh, when a team scores a touchdown, 
and they fumble in the end zone, and it's called a touchback. But then the touchback, it goes to the opposing team at the 20. Instead of that stupid rule that they have, which I don't I, – they, they, they must change it. Um, and, and every time it happens, you know, everybody talks about how bad a rule – but it's it's really a bad rule. My proposal would be if a team fumbles in the end zone, okay, if a team fumbles in the end zone, it is a touchback, but it should be a touchback, and it should go back to the spot where the team was originally at. So, Baker, can we get video of this so I can see the video? Because obviously the, the listeners aren't going to be able to see the video. But if you go back and look at the video, can we can we pull up the video of the touchback? So we okay, so we got the video. And so the ball, the line of scrimmage is about at the 26-yard line. At you know, the Kansas City Chiefs 26-yard line. Because the Browns, they were they scored. So this is what this is my proposal. Okay. You, you fumble in the end zone. Uh from the, you know, you, Baker through the pass. The line of scrimmage at the 26-yard line. You fumble at the end zone. It's a touchback. Go back to where go go back to the original line of scrimmage, which would be the Kansas City 26, and you lose a down. And you lose it down. That would be my rule. That would be my fumble in the end zone for touchback. That would be my rule. That 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 would be my rule. Or uh Baker, now the line of scrimmage is at the 26-yard line, but Baker throws this ball from the 35. He throws he throws he throws it from the 35. So he had like a five-yard drop. He had a five five-step drop back. So Baker, he throws it from the 35-yard line. Um, so maybe either or you can do it from the original line of scrimmage in a loss and down, or from where the ball was thrown from the loss of down. That's how, and when I and so let me let me let me clear it up. Just in case that did not make sense. My proposal would be. If you fumble in the end zone, it'll still be a touchback. But you either, but the the team that fumbled will get the ball back because for for the opposing team to to, to receive the ball, even though they they never recovered the fumble, it's just it it, it it's just mind boggling. So the Kansas City Chiefs, with my rule, would not touch the football. It would go back to the Browns from the original line of scrimmage, but a loss of down. Or it would go back to the place the ball was thrown. Like, so Baker threw it from the 35-yard line to um to Rashad Higgins. It would go back to the 35-yard line and loss of down. But I think I think the original line of scrimmage is more reasonable. So the original line of scrimmage and a loss of down. It's a touchback, but Cleveland retains the ball, but they have a loss of down from the original line of scrimmage. I think that's fair. But for the opposing team to get the ball, and this this is just like I'm, I don't have you know, this just isn't for the Chiefs or anything. But for the this is just with any situation that this rule comes into play with. For the opposing team. For them to, for, for you know, for you know, it, obviously it's a touchback, but for them to get the ball at their at the twenty, it just does not make sense. It just doesn't make sense because the opposing team never recovered the fumble. If they recovered the fumble, it wouldn't be a touchback. So it, it just defeats the whole purpose. So that would be my rule change. That would be my proposal. That would be my rule change of that of of, of that rule. That, that that's a bad rule though. <laughs> that is that is one bad rule. That is one bad rule because in order for you to get the ball, it should you should have to recover it. But if it just goes in the end zone, it's it's like you you get the ball. It's it's a bad rule. Simple as that. It is a horrible rule. Um, but let's talk about this play calling. I, I've seen some very nifty and creative play calling from some coaches, and I loved it.
I loved it all throughout the weekend. I'm going to get to that. Hey, y'all. Uh, I mean, okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. So, as mentioned, I talked about um, play calling, right? Play calling. Offensive play calling, and I, I've seen a lot of it on display over these last few weeks, especially last week. Um, Buffalo with Brian Dayball, you know, he does a terrific job with Josh Allen and those weapons that they have. Uh, Sean McVay always makes a way with Jared Goff, I saw a really interesting play that I that I really like, really great design and concept. Obviously Andy Reid and his and you know his genius and 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 his confidence. I mean, the fact that he went he went forward on fourth and one with about a minute left in his own territory and to have that much faith in Chad Henney you would have thought that was Patrick Mahomes, but it was Chad Henney. And he 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 had confidence in Chad Henney, despite Chad Henney having an like an inexplicable interception he threw. Like that was that was the worst interception I've seen <laughs> in a long time. And he, you know, he made that play, but on that drive, Chad Henney, he made some plays, you know, got out the pocket at one time, um, and made that uh made that a uh, a fourth down that was that was fourth and short um, instead of like a fourth and long was fourth and manageable. And Andy Reid completely had, he had complete confidence in, in Chad Henney, not like, you know, this, this wasn't like Patrick Mahone. Like, no, no, no. This was Chad Henney that he had confidence in the backup quarterback. So I, I, I did. I, I just love the play calling and Matt LaFleur. He has just, you know, I don't like the motioning, Matt LaFleur, I think he uses that, you know, in that Rams game, 71% of the plays had some type of form of motioning. So you, that, and I've been seeing a lot of you, you know, I, like Steve Sarkeesian, he used that with Devontae Smith, practically unstoppable this year in college football. Um, and I saw Matt LaFleur do it with Devontae Adams and it was, it was, it was just unguardable. It's it's unguardable. Jalen Ramsey couldn't even keep up, and Jalen Ramsey is probably one of the best corner, if not the best corner in football. So it's such it's such a hard defend. But this brings me to my next topic. So the Seahawks, obviously, I talked about it. They fired they fired Schottenheimer as their offensive coordinator, and they are in a they are they are in thin search for offensive coordinator. And Russell Wilson came out last week and said, hey, you know, in, in a Russell Wilson type way, like, you know, in, uh, in the in the nicest way possible, <laughs> in the coolest, nicest way possible, you know, if nicest is a is a word, <laughs> but in the in the most Russell Wilson type way is possible. He he um he said, hey, you know, I, I would love to be a part of the of the decision or the discussion of you know, the offensive coordinator, you know, who gets the job and, you know, get their feel, right? That, 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 that's that's Russell Wilson, right? <laughs> that, you know, he said it in a Russell Wilson type way. And news broke yesterday that the Seahawks are looking at Adam Gase. The, the Seahawks are looking at Adam Gase. And I must say, I don't understand it. Um... Pete Curl, he has to, and, and you got to be honest. If I'm the Seahawks, if I'm the Allen family, Allen family, if I'm John Snyder, I probably, I, I probably gotta have a a real one on one conversation with Pete Curl, because Pete Curl, he's, he, I think he's seventy. I think he's, I think he's, a, he's, he's seventy. And I gotta just, I gotta ask Pete, you know. Because Russell, with Russell Wilson being 
the Seahawks' best player in franchise history. So I just don't know why Adam Gase is just a, a candidate. And they fi- like I said, they fired Shoddy. They fired um, Schottenheimer. And they had some philosophical differences. Now, we all know Pete Curl is – he's a defensive guy. He's a defensive-minded guy. He's a DB coach. That's, that's, that's his specialty, quote-unquote. But – and I'm not – and, and this, is, this is no way in um, – this is no, like, piss on Pete Curl, but it's just this is just the mere fact. Pete Curl is a guy that likes to run the football. And he, like, he he controls a lot in Seattle. He, like, he, he control. I think he, I think he controls a lot in Seattle. I think he has a lot of say-so. So, I think with a guy like Schottenheimer, who, I don't know exactly, but I don't think he wanted, like, a lot of those play calls are, are like, Pete, like, Curl. They're Pete's. They're Pete's. Do you? Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and you can't continue to do that. And you're gonna get, and you're gonna just hand Adam Gase the keys to like, you're gonna hand him a, you're gonna hand him the keys to a Porsche. But what is he gonna do with this Porsche? He's gonna keep it parked in the garage until the fourth quarter. You're like, you know what? Hey, you know, I might, I need to tune this thing up. No, you can't do that with Russell Wilson. You can't do, you can't, you can't do that with Russell Wilson. And too many times, Seattle depends on that. Too many times, they depend on Russell Wilson to put his Superman cape on and just save the day. Too many times. So, I, I would have a serious conversation with Pete Curl about his philosophy offensively and how he wants to go about this hiring um, in this next search and what, and what to look for, what to expect. I would have I would have a serious conversation if I'm John Snyder with Pete Curl, because if not, if we can't reach a level of agreement, and Russell Wilson has to be included, um, Pete Curl, it, it, there may be some difficult conversations. Simple as that. I mean, because this uh, this this is a big, this is a big this is a big hiring for Seattle. This would be a big hiring for Seattle. It, whether they get it right or whether they get it wrong, you got to get this offensive coordinator job right. They got to do it. Let's shift gears to Deshaun Watson um, in his current situation. <laughs> boy, oh boy, this thing in Houston, it, it gets worse and worse by the day. I swear it gets worse and worse by the day. So Deshaun Watson, um, he's not returning any calls from the Houston Texans. And at this point, it's it's getting kind of sour. It's 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 getting it's getting bad. It's getting bad. Okay, it's getting bad, and it's not looking too bright for Houston at all. Now, Deshaun Watson has yet to request a trade, but the good thing is, or I wouldn't say the good thing because you lose you'll be losing Deshaun Watson, but he hasn't he has not yet requested a trade, but. But I, you do have a guy in Deshaun Watson who, if you trade him, he would get you a lot of first round picks. He would get you a lot. He would he would he would lure you picks because he's just that he he'd be this just that valuable on the market. And basically, this off season is going to be the off season about Deshaun Watson. He has he now he can request a trade, but I think with 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 Deshaun Watson, we are seeing a NBA type of situation. This is a NBA style, you know, slash situation with Deshaun Watson and him wanting out of Houston or him possibly wanting out of Houston. Um, he can request a trade because uh, he has you know he he can request a trade and say, hey, I want out. And then with his no trade clause in his contract, he can literally choose where he wants to go. So if Houston is in trade talks with, I don't know, if if they're in trade talks with the Jets and hypothetically Deshaun Watson say, nah, don't trade me to the Jets. I want to go to Miami. I want to go to Miami. I want to go to the Dolphins. He like the like the the Texans would have to proceed 
and they would have to they would they, they would have to they would have to trade him to Miami because he he because he can you know he can sit out he can sit out and say hey I'm not playing he can he can sit out and say hey I'm not playing but last week I had a close source I had a really close source uh tell me that Deshaun Watson was looking at the Jets and this was last week this was last week that somebody told me that he was interested in the Jets now, at first, not going to lie to you, I'm like, uh, the Jets. But now, this week, obviously, over the last couple of days, there have been reports. There have been, you know, different signs and, and so forth that would that would that would that would tell you, hey, Deshaun Watson, he he's interested in going to the Jets. You know, he's filming uh <laughs> paid in full scenes with the you know got the BMW so so he is so I think he is interested in the Jets and I wouldn't be so interested in the Jets I mean the the, the, the Texans aren't a great franchise themselves but the Jets it's not like the Jets are any better now I do I you do have to remember Robert Sala is the Jets new coach Robert Sala is the Jets new coach and if you guys remember correctly Deshaun Watson, the two coaching candidates that he wanted the Texans to possibly hire or interview was Robert Salah and Eric Pemenemi. Now it seems like Eric Pemenemi, he's gonna have he, he he had his interview, but it seems like he is not gonna get the job. And I just I, I hope that he gets the job, but it's leaning in a direction where he will most likely not get the job. And with Deshaun Watson, you look at this Houston franchise and you just, you mean, Deshaun Watson has no support. He has no support. The support, the support system in this organization is just pitiful. You know, there's like, I, I told you guys this last week or, or, a, or a couple episodes ago. I don't know. But I told you when I, you know, I've been talking about Deshaun Watson over the last several weeks. But I told you guys this. I said he is the only bright spot in this franchise. Um, you, you know, that you get this. Deshaun Watson played at an MVP caliber level. He played at a MVP caliber level. Um, and get this, Pro Football Focus. I'm glad I brought this. Up. I'm glad you just pulled that up, screen man. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Pro Football Focus, they you know they 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 give out the grades of each player and so forth, and they gave out quarterback grades. They've ranked quarterback grades and they ranked quarterbacks from you know this past season. And obviously, Aaron Rodgers was number one with the highest quarterback grade. Uh, Tom Brady was number two with the second highest. And get this, Deshaun Watson was number three. Patrick Mahomes was number four. And Josh Allen was number five, I think. Yes, Josh Allen was number five. Now, now get this. You notice something about those guys? You notice something about those guys? Four of those five guys are probably playing this weekend. You know, Mahomes, you know. But four out of those top five guys that Pro Football Focus gave the grades to, those top five guys, four of them are playing this weekend. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, hopefully Patrick Mahomes. Four of those guys are playing. Who's the lone dog out? Deshaun Watson. So you know how bad you have to be to, to not win with Deshaun Watson where he is amongst the best quarterbacks in the league He's a top five quarterback in the league. You know how bad you have to be, and you're probably wondering, well, okay, the Texans they didn't win any, they didn't win many games. Maybe they have draft picks. Oh wait, they don't. They don't have no first rounders or second rounders for the next two years. <laughs> and then you're probably like, well, hmm, let's take, let's take, let's let's take a look at this salary cap situation. Oh yeah, that's right. They're in the negative. They're in the negative. They're in the red. <laughs> They're in the red. Their salary cap situation, it's in the red. 
So you're just looking at the supporting cast in the future. And I and, and remember, I said, hey, Deshaun Watson, you just signed a deal. Maybe you should give it another year. But how can he give it another year? They literally can't. They Like the Texans are a team. that They're clearly a team that is three to four years away from really being able to do anything. They're, they're, they're three to four years from really being able to do anything. And depending on what happens to Deshaun, to this, you know, with this Deshaun Watson situation, it could get worse. Because now you don't have your franchise quarterback. Now, granted, you would have first round picks, but you would get those first round picks. But, you know, you know it's hard to find a quarterback of Deshaun Watson's caliber. We're talking about an MVP caliber quarterback. Um, and, you know, we didn't mention him in the MVP conversation this year, but why didn't we? Oh, yeah, because the Texans went 4-12. and 12. Not because Deshaun Watson didn't play well. Look at his numbers and losses. Look at Deshaun Watson's numbers in, in, in the games that the Texans lost this year. Wasn't because of him. And I, know, I, I, and I know football is the ultimate team game. It's a team sport, but that proves my point. The supporting cast around him, is, it's god-awful. It's god-awful, but that proves my point about how, like, it, yes, it's a team game. You, you, It's the ultimate team game. You hear that with a lot of sports, but it's the football is the ultimate team game. And Deshaun Watson had a, individually, he had a great season. Great season. But his supporting cast stunk. His supporting cast was below average, and you're looking at the Texans right now, you're looking at their future right now, their supporting cast isn't going to get any better over the next several years. It's not going to get any better over the next several years. If I was Deshaun Watson, my two top destinations would be San Francisco and the Miami Dolphins. San Francisco and the Miami Dolphins. Those would be my top two destinations if I'm Deshaun Watson. San Francisco, San Francisco, and Deshaun Watson, and, and, and the 49ers. Both teams have great defenses. Both teams have have good coaches. Kyle Shanahan, great offensive mind. Brian Flores, not an offensive-minded guy, more of a defensive-minded guy, but has proved to be a really good coach in this league. He he can he's he like he's he's been showing his worth over the last several years. And both of these franchises are trending in the right direction. My top two choices would be the 49ers and the, and the Dolphins if I was Deshaun Watson. And I would get out of Houston quick, fast, in a hurry. Simple as that. <laughs> Simple as that. All right, so let's let's shift gears to Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie Irving, great basketball player. Great. I mean, just a wonderful basketball player. But, you know, can get sidetracked. Get sidetracked very easily, All you know off the court and so forth, he brings a lot of attention to himself. Brings a lot of attention to himself. And this narrative that some people are trying to create, oh, my God, you got you guys, you guys are making Kyrie Irving a villain. No, we're not, okay? We're not. But I do want to say this about Kyrie Irving, and I've been saying this about Kyrie Irving for a while now. And this is this is just who he is. Um, Like, <laughs> fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And if you guys keep getting fooled by Kyrie Irving, shame on you because he's showing you his he's showing you his hand. I'm not saying Kyrie is a is a bad guy. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's not a great basketball player. I'm not saying he doesn't want the betterment. Uh, he you know he 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 really doesn't want the betterment of his community and so forth. I'm not saying that. And that's and that's good that he wants to serve in his community and better his community. Sure. But like I said, you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Um, and obviously, we all know that the Nets, they have acquired a new piece. They have acquired James Harden. And since James Harden has arrived on the scene in their first two games, James Harden and Kevin Durant have been balling. And get this, I'm going to give you guys Kevin Durant numbers uh, without Kyrie. And over these over these last several games, he's averaging about 34 points, uh, 55, 50, 57 percent from the field um, and shooting 52 percent from three. So he's just been crazy efficient. And right now, Kevin Durant, it, it's it's you know, it's an early prediction. But KD right now is looking like the MVP. 
he he's looking like the MVP, and he's looking like why he he's looking like uh, the the most lethal and potent score in in basketball right now with his efficiency. And then obviously you add James Harden to that mix. James Harden over these last few games, um, been you know putting his point guard skills on display. As I predict, as I told you guys, he would. I told you guys, even when Kyrie comes back, I think James Harden's going to be the. I think he's going to be the point. He's going to be the point guard. He's going to be the guy making the decisions. KD can play off the basketball. Kyrie, I know he has he he you know he has a tendency for dribbling and dribbling and you know he has a great handle, but Kyrie isn't making guys better. James Harden can make guys better, but my main and, and you know and and he can obviously score. He can score with the best of them. All three of these guys can score with the best of these with the best of of anybody in the league now. But Kyrie, this is just who he is. His characteristics are. You know, a a little tough to coach, a little uncoachable. Um, usually hurt, usually gets hurt. A kind of a drama queen, or you know, kind of a you know drama. Tough to play with, kind of a ball stopper. Like this is this is this is this is who he is. This is who Kyrie is. You know, ball stopper. Really talented, usually hurt, a little tough to coach, you know, you know, some drama. Some that that's who Kyrie Irving is. And I and and get this. I think I, I made this suggestion um last week. And I said, hey, maybe the Brooklyn Nets, with their lack of depth, with their lack of perimeter defense. And then when and with them trading away Jared Allen, who was um, very similar to DeAndre Jordan, but much younger, much younger and agile, I would consider trading Kyrie Irving for a couple of role players because offensively, what you're getting from Harden, what you're getting from KD, that like that that's great productivity. And we see, and we're seeing how potent they those two can be together. And like Harden is still like, even though Harden got you know he lost, it seems like he just seamlessly lost weight. Even though he lost weight, like Harden is still you know he still got to get himself into shape. Kevin Durant, he's coming off a torn Achilles, so he looks good right now, but he he's not even in full form. My point is, these two guys are not even in full form. And they they're practically unstoppable offensively, but defensively is where their problems lay. They're defensively on that defensive side of the basketball, that's where their problems lay. Um, they're not very deep at the moment. Uh, I, I, I so I will consider trading Kyrie Irving for a, a for a a wing defender, a two way wing guy. And a rim protector, another rim protector, because DeAndre, you, you know, you're you're counting on DeAndre Jordan, who I like. I like DeAndre Jordan a lot. I think he can be he can be good in spots, but you're counting on the older DeAndre Jordan to protect the rim all game, every game. You like he's he's literally their only big. So I think they could use some help in that department. In trading Kyrie Irving, his value has probably diminished a little bit because of all this stuff. His value has probably diminished. But you can still get a lot for Kyrie Irving in his services. So it's just a thought. I'm not saying the Nets should do it. But if I'm the Nets and Sean Marks, I would definitely, I would definitely look into it and I would see how these three play together. I would see how these three play together because Harden and Durant, it meshed. It meshed pretty quickly. It meshed pretty quickly. And as you saw on Martin on MLK Day, Brooklyn played play, Brooklyn played Milwaukee. Milwaukee, that's what that's probably gonna that's probably gonna be the Eastern Conference Finals. We're probably gonna have a Milwaukee Bucks, Brooklyn Nets, Eastern Conference Finals, and those games are gonna be close and tight and competitive. And more times than not, 
the Bucks are going to do what the Bucks do, where they get away from certain things that work. They get away from the flow of their offense, the flow of their offense that works and that, and that they execute, and they shoot themselves out of the game. And then Brooklyn down the stretch with KD and Harden. KD will make shots, Harden will make shots down the stretch. And that like that's probably how the Eastern Conference Finals is going to look. That's that's probably how it's going to look. That's 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 somewhat how it's going to probably look. So I would and but just imagine if you added another rim protection, another rim protector, possibly another wing defender, another. You know, they could use some more defense in depth. They can use some more size, defense, and depth to help with the rebounding and rim protection and defensively. Not to say Kyrie Irving is not a great player, but it's just a fact of the matter. And I'm going to play this soundbite uh, for you guys. Can you shed some light on what the last couple of weeks have been like for you and the time you needed off? Um, it's a lot of family and personal stuff going on. So just want to leave it at that. Okay. What do you hope happens after this inauguration tomorrow? And also, secondly, do you feel like you can still find your, your joy uh, playing basketball? Thing that is, you know, pretty interesting in watching when you take a break from everything, there's just so many assumptions about what's going on. And so many people feel like they know me best. They have no idea who I am or what I'm about or what I stand for, or even attempt to take the time or even for me to invite them to take the time. So it's a two-way street. Um, and when things become overwhelming in life, you know, you just got to take a step back and realize what's important. And I love to play. It's never been questioned. I've committed myself, you know, when this wasn't even a thing for me. You know, I didn't really care about media, didn't really care about the fandom. All I cared about was just the ethics of the game and being taught the fundamentals. And now that it's become bigger and it's more of a responsibility that I have in this position I'm in, I'm grateful because I'm able to stand on this platform with others alongside of me that have sacrificed and are going through similar things. So I'm not alone in this. And, um, you know, that's just a big thing about also mental health, you know, just coming in and being balanced with yourself first and then being able to perform. Um, so, you know, with everything going on in the world, politically, um, socially, it, like I said, it's hard to ignore. Um, I want to make changes daily. You know, there are so many oppressed communities, so many things going on that are bigger than just the ball going in the rim. Uh, okay. What? And I, I just stop it right there. Uh, that's a long clip. But you guys get the point. Um, and if and like I said, like I said in the beginning, if Kyrie wants to worry about those things, if he wants to, if he wants to shed light and more attention to those things, which a lot of athletes have been doing, but unlike Kyrie, they have still been playing. Um, and I think what Kyrie has to realize is with you playing and with your platform and the monies and the monies that you receive from the Brooklyn Nets from you playing basketball, you can, you can like that, that even that, that, that heightens and that, that puts you in the position to do these things that you want to do. These charitable, these charitable things that you want to do, these things that you want to reach the community with. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't, I feel like, you know, and Kyrie, you can be, and I think he, you can like, we understand. I understand. You want to shed light on certain social causes? Great. Okay. But I've been watching a guy like LeBron James do that for years. And he's been the most, I, I don't want to, I don't want to measure like who's doing the most and so forth. But when in terms of talking about athletes and athletes speaking out on social, social issues and athletes, um, you know, being charitable, LeBron James is just the first name that automatically pops up. But that doesn't, with him doing that, that doesn't take him away from the main thing. And the main thing that gave him that platform in his platform and his brand is basketball. 
You got to keep the main thing, the main thing. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You've you 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 you've grown a brand. You have a big. You have a huge platform, and you can do those things. But you also got to realize, hey, how am I able to do these things? Oh, because of this platform. Oh, because of the monies I'm receiving from playing basketball. That's why. And LeBron James, like I said, LeBron, he's been doing so. He's been doing these type of acts and things for years now. And that has never driven or taken away his focus from the game of basketball. Or he may have focused on it, but he also plays because he realizes the platform that he that he has and he uses he uses it to his advantage. So I just don't think Kyrie, that's a better way to put it. I don't think Kyrie takes full advantage at times at times. I don't think he takes full advantage of the platform that he has. I don't think he takes full advantage of it. But if I'm the Nets, if I'm the Nets, depending on how this thing works out and looks, I may be considering trading Kyrie Irving to add to the weaknesses of our team. Because let's think let's think about it. You know, winning in the playoffs, you're not gonna you like winning every game, winning every game. 127 to 123 and 128 to 125. That's not sustainable in the postseason. You usually don't see that a lot in the postseason. You usually don't see it a lot. So just 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 trying to outscore people, just out like that usually does not that's a formula that does not work in the playoffs. And like I told you guys about the defensive rating. I I looked at the champions the past cha- you can go back you can go back all the way to the to the 1980s. I looked at those champions and they were most of those, a, a great number of those championship teams were top 10 in both offensive offensive rating and defensive rating. Now obviously offense is not going to be the problem with the Brooklyn Nets because that, that it's just not going to be a problem. But defensively it, there's only one team that sticks out like a sore thumb with their defensive rating, and it was the 2001, two, it was a 2000, 2001 Lakers. But I remind you, those 2000, 2001 Lakers, they they just they breezed through the playoffs and also had a a prime, the most dominant figure, the most dominant player in probably in league history, and Shaq at that time, and they had a a very young Kobe Bryant entering nearing his prime so i just want to point that out that that is the only that's those those are one of the only teams that stick out or, or team that stick out like a sore thumb in terms of their quote-unquote defensive rating which i think they were worth like they were worse they were ranked like 21st i think or something like that it was very low but that's how good shaq and kobe was <laughs> but you look at the look at champions all across over the last 35 years, their defensive rating was near the top 10. Like I told you guys, most of those, a lot of, a good share of those teams were in the top five. They legit. So Brooklyn has to put hit, they have to pick that up defensively. Um, And I just don't know what to make. I just don't know what to make of this NBA season so far. It's been a very weird and strange season. Uh, the Lakers had a you know a, a bad loss versus the Warriors. LeBron, you know, had didn't they had a lackluster fourth quarter. Let's just call it like I see it. He had a lackluster fourth quarter. Um, both AD and LeBron shot six for sixteen. So it's just been a weird first half of the year so far in the, in the NBA. I think teams start to pick it up in the second half, like the better teams, like you know, with, but with all the COVID circumstances, players are missing games. Like, I look at a team like Dallas. I, I look at a team like the Mavericks, and I was just talking about this. I'm really high on the Mavericks. I think I picked Luka to win MVP this year. And obviously for him to win MVP this year, the Mavericks are going to have to finish at least top four or even top three in the Western Conference. But And I think the Mavericks, I think they can get to the Western Conference Finals. But you look at them right now, and I think they're like they're like one game below 500. But you know, Chris Stops is just now coming back. They got some COVID 
you know, you know, players that's missing out due to COVID and stuff. So just a weird NBA season, but I think the better teams around the league will pick it up in the second half of the season. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I didn't get to talk much about him. He was terrific. He's been awesome. Told you guys he's the league. He, you know, it's just, un, it's just no question that he's going to win league MVP this year. Um, he should take home league, you know, MVP honors, but I'm gonna catch you guys on Saturday. I really enjoyed this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace gone. And you guys enjoy your day. Uh, also, breaking news: Philip Rivers. He called it a career after seventeen after seventeen seasons. Philip Rivers did retire. Um, I shed some light on that um, on Saturday's episode. But without further ado, I let you guys go. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Greatly appreciated. Keep running it up for me. Um, always, like I told you guys, always remember two choices, one decision. And um, I'm out. Peace. See you guys.